Hey, everybody, this is Jerry Nutini, and you are listening to the New Deal podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Nutini. Uh, this is my third episode for the New Deal. If you head over to thenewdeal.com, uh, you can read my blog, uh, mainly my rantings and ravings on current events, and a few letters to Trump supporters out there. Um, so please head over to the New Deal and check out the blog and uh, other episodes of the podcast. I haven't been able to do an episode of the podcast in a while, um, but I'm hoping that with uh, some free time that I have now, I'll be able to uh, release an episode hopefully once a week on Thursday or Friday. So please be on the lookout for new episodes in the coming weeks uh, as I try to make this a regular thing. So... There's been a lot to talk about, and with COVID-19 and everything that's gone along with that, I've been dying to do an episode, uh, but I just wasn't able to find the time. But when this George Floyd situation occurred, I really felt like th- this is something that I need to do an episode about. Um, this is what's going to get me back into it because uh, my, my 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 passion for the subject is high, and I, like with many other situations, I see things on social media that just absolutely inflame me and and I have to speak out on it. And, and this is just one of those motivating weeks where you see some of the commentary that's out there and it just makes your blood boil. And, and so here I am. Here I am doing a podcast episode. So um, w- without, you know, taking too much time here at the beginning, I'd like to get into that. So. I'm sure everyone is aware, but brief recap, on May 25th in Minneapolis, Minnesota, a gentleman by the name of George Floyd, a 46-year-old black man, was murdered uh, publicly on the streets by a group of police officers um, after a store owner or a store employee had called saying that they thought that Mr. Floyd had used a uh, counterfeit $20 bill at the store. Uh, There are many videos out there, um, and I'll be posting an article with the full time-lapse video of uh, the events that transpired there uh, here with the podcast, but the cops showed up. They took Mr. Floyd out of his vehicle. Uh, They wrestled him to the ground next to the police cruiser, and over the course of uh, 8 minutes and 46 seconds, uh, they knelt on him, one police officer on his neck, and eventually he died of asphyxiation. Um, Again, uh, so a a 46-year-old black man uh, was murdered over a $20 bill, uh, is is, is what this boils down to. the video showed that there was not uh, resistance to arrest. He was not fighting with the police officers. Um, it was it was very clearly unnecessary, and um, he essentially, you know, let the cops know that he could not breathe multiple times. Um, and, and and there are some other disturbing uh, facts about what transpired. Not not only is it disturbing that a a cop would kneel on him on his neck for eight minutes and forty six seconds. But the cop remained on his neck a full minute after the paramedics arrived on the scene. A full minute. And he remained kneeling on him for 2 minutes and 53 seconds after Mr. Floyd had passed out. So after, when Mr. Floyd absolutely posed no threat whatsoever, um, he still remained on his neck for 2 minutes and 53 seconds. 
uh, in that officer's name was Derek Chauvin. Um, so just real quick, we'll get the facts out of the way. Uh, two autopsies have been done on the body. The first was done uh, by a private medical examiner. Um, his name was Michael Baden. Uh, he's the former chief medical examiner in New York City. Um, and Alicia Wilson also helped him with that uh, autopsy. And they found that uh, Mr. Floyd died by homicide um, and by um, asphyxiation. The medical examiner for the county also declared it a homicide. Originally, it looked like they weren't going to say it was asphyxiation, uh, but then they did say it was asphyxiation. Um, so both autopsies um, are in concurrence on the fact that this was, in fact, a homicide. So, of course, Mr. Floyd's death um, ignited a lot of anger in this country and for good reason. Um, we, we th This has been a little bit different than maybe some of the other high profile police killings in this country because we we have everything on camera and while we've seen other police killings on camera this one is so egregious and it shouldn't take that but this but this one is so egregious so clear cut um, that we have an unarmed black man helpless on the ground begging for his life and and nonetheless is murdered by a police officer and when something is that clearly wrong um, it, it's going to make a lot of people angry. And, and so there have been at this point, 10 straight days of, of protests. Um, today there was a memorial for, for Mr. Floyd in New York city. Um, and, and so the, much of the country has rallied around the death of, of George Floyd in the hopes that we can finally make some change for racial equality in the United States of America. Um, a good first step was that originally, um, Derek Chauvin was charged with second-degree murder. Um, sorry, third-degree murder. And third-degree murder was a little bit confusing to me. So um, third-degree murder in the United States um, is also referred to as a depraved heart murder um, or a depraved indifference murder. And this is a type of murder where an individual acts with a depraved indifference to human life uh, and where such act results in death despite that individually uh, not explicitly intending to kill. And so I think you can see why they maybe went with third degree murder because it seems like a sure thing. You murdered someone you may not have meant to murder someone will charge you with third degree. It seems like um, that one's kind of in the bank if you're if you're looking for a conviction. Um, but a lot of people disagreed with that charge. Uh, yesterday, the other three officers were charged um, as well um, with basically aiding and abetting a murder. And Mr. Chauvin's charge was upgraded to second-degree murder. And second-degree murder is any intentional murder with malice, a forethought, but is not premeditated or planned in advance. So basically, you've murdered someone, um, you intended to murder them in the moment, but you did not plan that murder ahead of time. Um, you know, this was not a, you know, Dexter killing um, to, to, you know, put it in culture terms. Um, this is something that happened arguably in the heat of the moment, but the, the murder was intentional. So they, they have upgraded that charge to second degree murder. Um, and, and I personally think that is the right call. Um, and, and, and I'm glad to see that they have, they, they've gone, gone ahead and upgraded the charge um, because I can see why they might think it's beneficial to go for the, the sure thing uh, with the third degree murder. But when you stay on a man's neck for two minutes and 53 seconds after he passes out and a full minute after the ambulance shows up, I think it begins to um, it, it becomes difficult to argue that you 
we're absolutely not trying to kill him um, because it's unnecessary for you to be there anymore. So you, you know, what reason do you have for staying on him if you're not trying to to, to murder them? So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. So there's the kind of the bare facts of, of what happened. Um, so a lot has happened since then. And what I'm going to talk about is, is kind of the fallout of George Floyd's death and 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 my personal opinion on on a lot of the things I've seen, the comments I've seen, the commentary I've seen, um, some good things I've seen as well. Um, so I'd like to start with our president, uh, the president of the United States. So protests were 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 nearly immediately after after the murder, and with protests came some rioting um, and and some looting as well. And as president, um, in his typical style, um, Donald Trump decided that he was going to focus on the looting and the rioting instead of focusing on the murder of an unarmed black man. Uh, he began by calling the protesters thugs. Uh, he quoted a racist sheriff from the 60s by saying, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Um, and again, and I'm sure you've all seen this comparison made before, but just a few weeks ago, we had armed protesters in Wisconsin, they were mostly white, and they showed up to a rally armed, and they were not called thugs, and they were not, you know, attacked by the police. And while I understand it is their right to carry, if a group of armed black men showed up literally anywhere, we can almost guarantee, looking at our history, especially recently, that that would end in a firefight. Um, and that the cops would open fire on those protesters just because they were black. That That is how this country is operating. And I know there's a lot of people that disagree with that type of statement. But I'll get to why that it's really not okay at this point to make that disagreement. And, and I'm not going to beat around the bush. And I'm not going to make very many concessions here. Um, so Donald Trump comes out um, and, and, he, and, he, and he makes these comments. And really, he's... He's not defending George Floyd. Um, he did at one point say that, you know, the, the looting is a dishonor to, to Floyd's family, but he never acknowledged the egregious act um, that that these these officers murdered an unarmed black man. And, and further, he's really shown no great support. He didn't. Did he go to Minneapolis? No. Has he been to any of the big cities where the, where the protests and the riots are? No. Has he... Hidden in a bunker. Yes, um, absolutely. And, and so he's just not on the same page. So he's willing to call, you know, armed white protesters with guns, fine people when they're literally trying to, they are protesting so that they can essentially um, endanger the public by not adhering to restrictions in regard to COVID-19. Cool. They're great people, but, you know, when someone is down on the street and people are protesting, trying to say that that person should have the right to live out their life and they should not have been murdered by police, um, they are thugs and the rioting needs to stop. And uh, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Um, fantastic leadership. On June 1st, uh, Donald Trump took a photo in front of a church and it, while that in itself was pointless, the way he got there was terrible. There were protesters on the streets in D.C. The Attorney General, Bill Barr, ordered that those protesters be forcibly removed. They had tear gas uh, used on them. Um, also that Donald Trump could get to his photo op where he held up a Bible in front of a church. 
and the church leaders came out against um, this this photo op. And since retired General uh, Mattis, as well as Jim Ke- uh, John Kelly, have come out and said that it is not okay to tear gas people who are peacefully protesting, um, especially just because you need to get somewhere. Um, so and uh, today. On Twitter, Donald Trump shared a letter from his former lawyer, John Dowd, um, that went as far as to call those protesters terrorists. Terrorists. Oh, and by the way, earlier in the week, he also deemed Antifa a terrorist organization, despite the fact that the KKK is not deemed the terrorist organization in this country. Um, And Antifa has been found to have no involvement in these in, in, in the lootings or the riots or the protests, but sure, um, let's create an enemy um, for for supporters to rally against, um, because this is 1984, um, in case you missed the bulletin. So Donald Trump's reaction has been terrible, um, and, and we shouldn't expect anything less. And I'm not surprised by it, but I am always sickened by it and always surprised at how far he's willing to take things um, because he he has been nothing but divisive. And I think what's more surprising is you think someone who's considered to be a great businessman and a great uh, strategic leader would understand that these are opportunities for him to unify the country. These are opportunities for him to go win the votes of the African-American community and the minority community and shows people in the white community that he does have the best interest of all Americans at heart. And he will do so by going out and supporting those minority groups. But that is not his style. He is only concerned with appeasing his base. And we'll get to his base in a couple of seconds here. Um, because his base, and, and some people outside of his base as well, um, but people, let's say, who lean right um, have been particularly annoying um, over the last couple of days. Um, so so, so we, will, we will get to that. Um, before I get too much further, I do want to say I, I've seen some good things on social media especially. Um, first, and this, this is going to sound divisive, but I think it's important to note. Um, I've been personally disappointed over the last two years or so at the silence of the left, especially on almost every issue. I understand there's burnout in trying to stand up to uh, Trump supporters, especially on any and all issues, whether it's babies in cages or the economy or the handling of COVID, whatever it may be. But I do feel like the left and maybe some independents have fallen silent on a lot of issues that are not okay because it's just too hard to argue against a lot of those Trump supporters. And the Trump supporters do dominate the social media scene. I can tell you that any posts that I boost from my page, even though I'm targeting liberal audiences, even though I'm not trying at all to reach out to Trump supporters, 90% of the comments I receive are from Trump supporters because they are not afraid to be vocal on anything they see as liberal. They they will write MAGA 2020 and Trump 2020 all over the place at any chance they get and they make their voices heard in a way the left has really not over the last couple of years. But what has been heartening here is how many people I have seen saying, if you say all lives matter, unfriend me. Take me off your friend list because you don't get it. And I've seen that so much from people that I am surprised to see it from. 
not that you know they they are like right wing or or you know typically wouldn't think that way but just that these people are not typically vocal in any way shape or form and yet here they understand the significance of the moment if you say things like all lives matter you don't understand this situation you don't understand the desperation of the black community you don't understand how long this has been going on none of us do because none of us have been alive long enough to understand and experience the whole thing um but it's been good to see that people are drawing moral lines and and finally saying that this is not a political issue. This is a moral issue. And I do not want to associate with people who do not hold the same moral values I do. Um, and I think that's healthy. And I think in a lot of ways, it's necessary for the well-being of our nation moving forward. So I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see how many allies of the black community are out there being vocal. I'm glad to see how many people are out there calling out other white people for either ignorant statements or misguided statements or, you know, statements made with good intentions that are just terribly, terribly, terribly off base. And for starting those conversations, because that's all equally important for the people who do have any understanding of what what we're looking at here to be addressing other white people because while this is a problem that affects black people this is a problem that white people need to do a lot of work on to help fix because we are the ones who are causing these issues we are at fault and we have been for generations or centuries I'm not saying that anyone is personally at fault, but white people in general, as a race, are at fault here. And there is no way around that. None none whatsoever. Um, so but I, I'm glad to have seen um, some of those good things. Um, so I, I want to kind of talk about what, what I've seen from some of maybe those misguided people or outright racist people. But let's start with, with giving some benefit of a doubt. So... I feel like what happens sometimes, and 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 this is for, for anyone out there who's listening, and is maybe maybe you don't understand why people are getting upset at you if you're saying all lives matter, or maybe you don't understand why people are getting upset with you when you're saying, well, the, you know, the the rioting's not okay and the looting's not okay, and you know it's not okay that they killed George Floyd like that, but neither is you know the, the looting and the rioting, and maybe you're confused why you're getting some heat for for those type of comments. Um, so, so this is kind of where I, th- I feel like I could see that happening and, and why you feel that way. I feel like a lot of white people might fall into the trap of projecting their own experience and mentality onto the larger issue. Um, so when you say things like, I don't understand the looting, um, that sentiment simply doesn't acknowledge the frustration and desperation of the black community at large. Um, So if you've lived a life where you've kind of convinced yourself or your experience has even been that the black community has more or less equality, I think it can be easy to fall into this trap where you think, well, I treat black people um, just as well as I treat any of my white friends or my white, you know, neighbors and relatives. And so, you know, they shouldn't be looting and rioting because I wouldn't be if I were in their shoes. And so, you know, I don't think it's right that they're doing that. But what that does is it it doesn't acknowledge, first of all, any black person who's living a difficult existence or having a tough time doesn't have the the privilege you have, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, But it doesn't acknowledge the fact that your reality is not the only reality. And there are plenty of white people out there 
who do not treat black people equally, consciously and unconsciously, because what we're dealing with is a systemic issue that for many people, including myself, um, is not a conscious racism. Um, th this is so deeply embedded in our society that we don't always understand that, you know, we may be, we, we despite all of our good intentions, despite the way that we treat members of the black community and, and despite, you know, doing the best we can to treat everybody with decency and respect, there are insidious, there's an insidious nature to the systemic racism that exists here that some of us has have racist tendencies that we don't ever think to address within ourselves. Very, very small things like reactions when we walk into rooms with more black people than white people. And if we feel uncomfortable and, 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 you know, th that's not just a social awkwardness. And you have to ask yourself, well, why do you feel that way in that situation? Um, and, and I highly, highly, highly recommend a book called White Fragility. Um, by Robin D'Angelo. Um, it's a white woman talking to white people about white fragility um, and trying to address some of those issues. And and there it was, it was. I, I listened on Audible, and it was uncomfortable for me at times because like holy shit, that yep, I felt that before, and I did not realize that that is kind of a racist tendency. And and so just little things in our thought patterns or in our behavior are things that we need to examine to say what is really going on here and how deep is this issue? Because in America, this is 400 years of systemic racism that we were all born into, white and black and everything in between. So we're dealing with learned bias and behavior that's existed for hundreds of years, and it is our responsibility to unlearn it and make it better. So we need to start doing that. So the best way to do that is to try to educate ourselves. And step one to trying to educate yourself on something like this is to acknowledge that, hey, there may be some racist tendencies that I've either lived through or experienced or even exuded, and I need to take a deeper look at myself um, and, and not be hurt or, or, or defensive in that, you know, I may have done those things because that's the only way that you're going to find a way forward to grow. So you need to start reevaluating what the reality is, drop the defensiveness and, and try to learn a little bit. Um, so I, 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 I think it's easy to fall into that trap. If you think that you treat people equally and your experience is that, you know, black people are treated equally and, and, and then you're holding them to the same standard you'd hold white people to, um, despite white people never having the same level of issues that the black people have dealt with for, again, 400 years, then, then that is a trap you are falling into. And you need to understand why that's a trap and why it's offensive to say. Um, and, and, and so I can't do all that work for you. So, I, so I, ple you know, I encourage you to, you know, I would start with white fragility. It was really good for me, but there are, are is tons of literature out there. There are tons of people out there, um, who are willing to talk about this. And, you know, you, if black people are willing, um, to, you know, let you know what you can do to help them so that you can be an ally, we all need to listen, um, and stop making assumptions about what we think they need. Um, so, so we, we can do that work moving forward. And, and that's something I think everybody wants. Um, we just need to put aside our pride in our egos and our white identity, so to speak, so that we can move forward. Um, so, so I, I do think that's important. 
Um, so just to kind of, you know, make counterpoints to some things I've seen. Um, there are good cops, too. I've seen this a lot. Um, so so again, I, I need to frame this a little bit. This isn't about the cops. It is about the cops, but it's not about the police. Like, it's not about police men. It's about the institution of law enforcement in America. Because, again, these are systemic issues. These have always been systemic issues. For as long as this nation has existed Before this nation existed, these were systemic issues. Just because there are good cops doesn't mean that those good cops are part of a good system. Because we need to acknowledge that the American law enforcement system is broken. So whether you are a good cop or a bad cop, either way, it is a broken system. So you see things like all cops are bad. And, and I was thinking about this earlier. If I am someone, if, if I'm someone who's grown up in a black community and my experience with law enforcement is that at any given time, at any given moment, for anything at all or nothing at all, a white police officer can draw a weapon and shoot me or someone in my family dead. I don't know if there's any way for me to look at any cop and think that's a good cop. If I'm a black person and that is my experience, I can see that all cops are bad. And I think when you are kicked into survival mode and it doesn't matter who's wearing the uniform, all that matters is that someone in a uniform is coming toward you and that uniform represents danger, then all cops are bad. And I know that this isn't exactly how it's used out in in in, in the social discourse, but I wanted to frame it in a way that might hit home with 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 everybody with with white people especially if if the traditional you know robber will you know with with the ski mask on you know is is a symbol for danger then it doesn't matter who's wearing the ski mask that person is always going to represent a danger to us and we're going to address it in that way well that is what cops have become for the black community and and, and so we need to understand that it is the system that is broken and is the system that is threatening. And by the way, that image of danger is being reinforced time after time after time. How many times since Michael Brown have we had a police involved shooting that has been high profile in the news nationally? And what has changed? Eric Garner, I can't breathe. No conviction. Michael Brown, no conviction. Tamir Rice, no conviction. Freddie Gray, no conviction. Alton Sterling, no conviction. Philando Castile, no conviction. Breonna Taylor, no charges yet. Atatiana Jefferson, we have an indictment. We don't have a conviction yet. Sandra Bland, no indict. Walter Scott, one conviction. That cop is going to jail for 20 years. Which brings me to my next point. For everybody who says, oh, they arrested them. Doesn't that make it better? No, it doesn't fucking make it better because arrests mean nothing right now. Arrests historically have meant nothing because for every cop that has been arrested 
such a minuscule portion have actually been convicted of the crime and gone to jail that the arrest is a meaningless act. It is no guarantee of justice. It's not been a guarantee of justice. So for everyone who said they made the arrest, they did the right thing, why are people still protesting? They're still protesting because the arrest proves nothing. The arrest is an empty action. And until there is a conviction and there are men behind bars, it can't begin to get better. And by the way, a conviction here does not solve the problem forever. And I'll get to what we need to see happen for things to even even remotely get better up the road. Um, But for the time being, no, the arrest in itself is not good enough to appease anybody. And it's not a guarantee and it doesn't fix anything. So, no. Stop saying that they made the arrest and, you know, people should stop protesting. You don't get it. You don't understand the depth of the issue. You don't understand the complexity of the issue. And if you took a few minutes to think about it, you would understand that. It didn't take me very long to go read the list, to find the list of names and the outcomes of the the trials for them. And it would take you the same amount of time. Ten minutes. Go do some very basic research. Very basic research. Um, so, so something else that's ap- apparent for, for, for everyone who thinks that this can be easily solved or an arrest will fix things, you know, gr- growing up is like, oh, you know, you know, I, as someone who grew up in New England, you know, the, 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 the stereotype is like, oh, yeah, you know, you get the racist uncle who, show, you know, maybe there's like one racist uncle. Let me tell you something about America in 2020. Go read the comments. Go read the comments because it's not just one person at the table who might be a little bit out there. It's a lot of people who are who are empowered over the last few years to be racist and to be outspoken in their racism and, and, and to be offensive. So it is not one crazy uncle at the table. It's a lot of crazy uncles. It's a bunch of crazy families within a community. And then there's a group of people on the periphery who aren't necessarily disagreeing with everything the angry uncle is saying. I mean, they're, they're not supporting him. They're not saying anything outright, but they're also not saying anything. They're not disagreeing with angry, you know, the angry uncles at the table. So go read the comments and you will find out very quick that this is not something that can be fixed easily because there are people who are working against a positive outcome and they are being vocal about it. And they are doing everything they can to delegitimize this issue. Which brings me to my next point. When you say, oh, well, you know, I understand that people should protest, but the looting and the rioting, you know, that really takes away from their message. Or, you know, things like, well, they made the arrest, you know, so shouldn't that. Anything you say right now other than we need institutional reform in America, in our police systems, anything besides that statement is an attempt to delegitimize and take away from the point. And this has been going on for as long as this argument has existed, for as long as this movement has existed. Because what what does it do? What point does it make for you to say something like, oh, well, it delegitimizes the message. No one should be looting. You know, they shouldn't be hurting people. Well, you're not saying that, you know, it's wrong that police keep killing black people time and time and time again, and we don't hear about most of them. But it's okay for you to condemn people for looting and rioting. Oh, and by the way, a lot of those looters and rioters are not even related to the protests on the ground that are largely peaceful. 
There have been protests in all 50 states in America in the last 10 days, all 50 states. And we've heard about looting and rioting in a few places here and there. So any argument made other than what happened to George Floyd is wrong, this is happening uh, repeatedly, this is happening frequently, and it's happening by police on unarmed black men, particularly. Any statement out of your mouth other than that delegitimizes and takes away from the movement to make this better and to bring equality to America. And you need to understand that because you're not you, you you whether you are conscious of it or not you are not willing to face the reality and i don't know if you have friends that are cops and you feel bad for them or you just don't want to think that you live in a world where this type of equality exists but you do that is america in 2020 that is the america that we live in and that is what our flag represents right now so when you see the flag flying understand that that flag represents a country that has done very little to reduce systemic and institutionalized racism in this country. So when Colin Kaepernick gets down on a knee to stand up against police violence against African-Americans, you need to understand plain and simple. So please do not try to delegitimize or take away from this very important moment in history when the entire nation in all 50 states are, are rallying to try to get change on this front so say say that you yes george floyd should not have died that way and say and we need to do something about it and leave it there because everything else will go away we we do not have a looting and rioting issue in america we do not have systemic looting and rioting in america we do not have systemic murder of police in america but we do have systemic murder of unarmed black men in america and that is the issue on the table and that is the difference so please accept or do your best to educate yourself to get to a point where you might be able to accept that. We, will, I will accept baby steps here, okay? And I, and I want to take a minute on white privilege as well. White, white privilege is a thing, and it's something that's been in the public discourse for a while now, and it's something that, you know, if you are over, like, 16 years old at this point, you, you should probably understand this concept. It, it's very, very easy to understand. Um, but in the absolute simplest terms, and this is a complex issue, but in the absolute simplest terms, if 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 someone else it, or it, if I had a clone and that clone was born black and we lived identical lives, that person would have a more difficult experience than I would by default. They would experience more adversity than I would by default. If we were born in the same town, the same neighborhood, went to the same high school, they would have a harder time in life in America in general. And that's overly simplifying because the fact of the matter is, is that most African-Americans are not born into the same good neighborhoods that white people are, do not go to the schools with the same level of funding that white people go to, do not have the same educational and career opportunities as early in life as white people have. And so not only are they disadvantaged from the start socio, from a socioeconomic standpoint, but then every step they have to take is that much more difficult because of the color of their skin and nothing else. That's in a nutshell. Again, I'm not going to do the work for you, but you need to understand if I lived the same life I've lived now, but the color of my skin was black, my my life would be much more difficult 
as a black person in America, given I had the exact same starting because the end point, I guarantee you, would not be the same, at least not at this point in time. So please try to understand what white privilege is. No one is saying that your life wasn't difficult and that you didn't have obstacles. We all have obstacles, but they have the same obstacles that we have. And then they have this whole extra layer of shit they need to deal with because of the color of their skin and the way other people treat them and disadvantage them because of that consciously and unconsciously and then there's all the pain that goes along with it and the emotional toll that that takes that i don't know that we have really spoken about as a nation yet because right now you know we're angry about murders and we're angry about the inequality but we we haven't even started to get in depth on this conversation in the way that we need to so have some empathy because empathy is missing in America. Not to detract too much from the main point here, but this has been a recurring theme. We have immigrants in cages on the border and we have no empathy or many Americans have no empathy. We have a we, we have an unprecedented pandemic that is literally killing hundreds of thousands of people 10, 15, 20 times. I, I'm sorry. It, it, it's more than that. It's it's like 30 or 40 times the amount of people who died at the World Trade Center are dead of COVID-19 in America. And we have people bitching because they won't put a piece of cloth over their face. It is a blatant disregard for human life. And here we are. We've seen on video time and time again, unarmed black men, unarmed black women killed by police in this country on video, chased down and murdered in cold blood. And we have people who make fun of it, won't acknowledge the, the severity of it, won't acknowledge that this is an ongoing and, and, and frequent occurrence in this country. It is a basic disregard for human life there there is there is something a little bit sociopathic about a lot of people and it's a little bit concerning and it needs to be addressed because it is not okay to have such little regard for human life except for yourself or the things and people that are important to you and only to you that is not okay that is not part of the 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 the, the moral guide uh, that that this country was founded upon and and should continue to to hold up. We are losing something in America. We are losing our morality in America. It's being eroded, and this is a battle for that morality. And a lot of people are rising to the occasion, but a lot of people are scaring me. So we need we 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 need to fix that as well. So so please take a look and, and think about whether or not you're putting yourself in the shoes of the people who are disadvantaged and hurting right now. Because if you're unable to empathize with them, if you're unable to try to understand the pain that they are feeling, sympathize even, then then that's an issue. And, and if you're one of those people, you need to start doing some work to try to figure out why you're unable to have those feelings. Because it, it's important. Um, I can't pretend to know everything that needs to change. Um, I, I haven't lived the black experience in this country. I've lived a very white experience in this country. Um, but at a minimum, like, I, like I've said earlier, we need this type of radical behavior by militarized police forces in America to stop. We need unarmed black men to stop being murdered for literally doing nothing, selling cigarettes on a sidewalk. Potentially, even if he did counterfeit the $20 bill, no one is worth killing over $20. Nobody. Ever. Ever. It's not okay. That type of behavior needs to stop. When a bad cop commits a heinous act, 
that cop must be brought to justice every single time. And with no doubt from anyone in the community that that officer will pay for his crime because that is not a guarantee right now. Not a guarantee at all. I can I can say firmly that if nine times out of 10, a white cop who killed a black man either went to jail or was convicted and heavily charged, that this would not be a major issue. That's a step toward healing, but that is not the case. I read a list of names earlier and only one out of 11 or 12 had actually been convicted and held to account for the murder, which means that all those other families have gone without justice in America. Not okay. So at a minimum, we need these things to stop. And when they do happen, we need swift and immediate accountability and justice for those who have perpetrated those crimes. Every time, at a minimum, as a baby step. Um, I, I do want to bring some attention to, to Ben and Jerry's. Uh, ben and Jerry's put out a statement today that is straightforward, clear, and unapologetic. And I just want to read some of it to you. So first, we call upon President Trump, elected officials, and political parties to commit our nation to a formal process of healing and reconciliation. Instead of calling for the use of aggressive tactics on protesters, the president must take the first step by disavowing white supremacists and nationalist groups that overtly support him and by not using his Twitter feed to promote and normalize their ideas and agendas. The world is watching America's response. That's powerful. We call upon Congress to pass H.R. 40, legislation that would create a commission to study the effects of slavery and discrimination from 1619 to the present and recommend appropriate remedies. We cannot move forward together as a nation until we begin to grapple with the sins of our past. Slavery, Jim Crow, and segregation were systems of legalized and monetized white supremacy for which generations of black and brown people paid an immeasurable price. That cost must be acknowledged, and the privilege that accrued to some uh, some at the expense of others must be reckoned with and redressed. And th those are just some of the statements of, of, of that Ben & Jerry's put out as far as what we need. We need more companies like Ben & Jerry's to be putting out powerful statements and saying, we say no to racism. We say no to systemic racism. And we acknowledge that this has been going on for 400 years and must be remedied all 400 years of it, if that's even possible. We need all Americans to stand up and be allies to our black community members. We need white people in the community to stop explaining to black people what black people's experiences have been because I cannot tell you how many times in the last couple of days I've seen white people tell black people what they've experienced. That's fucked up. And no one would like it if someone came to you and said, well, your experience in life has really been this. I don't care what you've been through. This is your experience. I'm telling you what you experienced. Not, not okay. Not the fuck okay. Sit the fuck down and keep your mouth shut because you've lost your right to open it. This is basic human respect. And for some reason, it goes out the window when it comes to fighting for human equality in this in this country. And I don't know why, but it comes up and it makes people uncomfortable and it makes people angry and it doesn't make sense why. I'm sorry. It makes people angry in a way that it seems like this is just a waste of time and we're making a big deal out of it. And these protests are ridiculous. The anger at the murder of George Floyd, the anger at the murder of black people by typically militarized police force who pays very little regard to human life, especially when it comes to members of the black community. That anger is more than justified and it's 
long overdue, long overdue. And I, I hope, I hope that we can begin to see change. I hope that we can see legislation and reform come to pass. I hope that we will stop funding these police departments to the point that they have tanks and weapons of war on our streets and available to them. And I hope that members of the police community who do wrong are brought swiftly to justice. And and on the flip side, those good cops that are out there, those people who legitimately care about all the members of their community and just want to protect and serve and want to see a better world and want to make sure that their communities are safe, we need to empower those good cops. We need to raise their voices. We need to, to make those voices heard in those communities. And in and, and the fraternal order, the fraternal order needs to change because cops cannot continue to have bad cops back. We cannot continue to see cover-ups. We cannot continue to see lesser punishment for cops who commit murder. Because at the end of the day, murder is murder. And these are very baseline changes that they do not get to any depth whatsoever. But this is, this is what we need to see start. So please, before you comment on social media about the protests and the riots, before you bring up some white store owner who was killed by rioters, which, which is very sad, but takes away from the point. Which, which, which distracts from the point that we need equality in America and African-Americans who have endured slavery in this country, who have endured servitude in this country, who have endured Jim Crow in this country, who have endured lynching and hatred and outright racism and segregation in this country. We need equality for those Americans. They helped build this country in a way that a lot of our ancestors did not. My ancestors didn't get here until the late 1800s. Their ancestors were here as early as the beginning, 16, the 1600s. They have more claim to America. They have more claim to the flag than most of our families do. And we need to acknowledge that. And we need to pay them tribute. So please, I'm begging everyone. For those of you who have been vocal proponents of this movement, for those of you who have consistently supported Black Lives Matter, for those of you who have routinely treated African Americans and black, you know, black people in our country with dignity and respect because you see them as people and because they deserve that respect, keep being loud, keep being supporters, keep being allies keep listening. And for those of you who are confused and you don't quite understand it, you don't quite get it, please go read, go educate yourself, ask questions and listen. It's important to ask questions and and put your ego aside and put your white identity aside. It's not easy to do, but understand no one is blaming you directly. No one is holding you personally responsible, but as a white person, you are part of the white problem because your skin is white and we need to acknowledge our role in that problem and then we need to acknowledge our role moving forward to help fix it. And it's as simple as that. We all want to help each other. I, I, I through, through everything we've been through the last few years, I still firmly believe that most people want the best for, for everybody. People want to help. People want to do the right thing. People want to be good. So we just need to channel that more often. And sometimes being good is hard. 
Sometimes being good means asking hard questions, and sometimes being good means questioning the way that we've done things before, even if we like doing them that way, because it hurts somebody else, and they need the change. We need to ask ourselves those hard questions. So please, for those of you who are confused, for those of you who are angry, for those of you feeling defensive, just take a breath and understand that there are real people suffering real pain who feel real danger every day in this country and they have their whole lives and that very rarely do any white people have any experience that even comes close to rivaling that at all. Start there. Start with there are Americans who are hurting and they need help and we need to help them because we are part of what is hurting them. I appreciate everyone listening to the New Deal. I know this is a, a relatively heavy episode. Um, if I've made any mischaracterizations or used any language that is um, hurtful or harmful um, to the black community, please let me know. Um, I am always trying to learn. Um, I'm always trying to understand what is correct and, 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 and what the right things to say are and also learn if I've said something that's hurtful, why it's hurtful, so that I know that not only I shouldn't be using those phrases, but that I can also aid in the conversation and, and getting that type of dialogue to change. So please, if I've said anything, uh, even on the borderline, uh, please let me know so that I can change how I present my opinions and, and, and my arguments um, so that I can better help um, in your fight for equality in this country. Um, so I want to thank everyone for listening to the New Deal. Um, I hope that we can all help move forward together. Um, if anyone wants to open up a dialogue, please, you know, throw a comment um, out on one of my posts. Uh, feel free to direct message the New Deal, uh, comment on this podcast, and uh, you know, hopefully we can we can finally see some real change in this country, real change toward equality, and real justice for those who have been hurt by our law enforcement. Um, in, in this country. So thank you for listening to the new deal guys. I hope to be back next week. Everyone be safe. Um, make sure that you're being safe. If you're out there protesting, uh, make sure that you're being safe, wearing a mask and staying safe from COVID because that's still a thing. Because when the media stops reporting on things, that doesn't mean that it goes away. And I think we're all smart enough to realize that. So please be safe on all fronts. Uh, enjoy the weather as it's getting better here. And, um, Let's get some justice um, and change for George Floyd and all the other black Americans who have been um, needlessly killed um, by law enforcement in this country. Uh, thank you again for listening to the New Deal. I'll see you next week.